Hey everybody, this is Steve Thomas. Welcome to Budge. Today we are going to talk about commitment beyond the feelings trick. What does it look like to be a committed leader? Sometimes our feelings will lie to us. And if we lead or live only by feelings, we are going to do damage. So pay close attention and see where you fit in this whole idea of what it looks like to be a committed leader. Hope you enjoy. So here's where this thought process began. I have had a lot of conversations in the last six to eight months with teams that I work with, with leaders that I know, and the general consensus is it is really hard to get people to commit to anything right now during this time. And I think our natural tendency is to kind of put this in a post-pandemic context. And I'm, I'm not going to disagree with that. However, I don't know that the lack of commitment just suddenly started post-pandemic. I think this has been an issue ongoing uh, from the beginning of time, basically. So this commitment thing is, is a really big deal. Now, there's no question in my mind that everybody listening to this at some point, you have made some sort of commitment to something. And multiple times in your life, and and maybe even uh, already today. So there's also no question in my mind that many of you, if not all of you listening to this, not only have you made a commitment to things, my guess is you have broken commitments to things that you've committed to. And there are numerous reasons of why we break commitments. So I'm not so sure this is just a post-pandemic thing. I won't deny that it may be uh, a little stronger right now, that it may be more top of mind right now. And I'm not going to deny that possibly people are a little uncommitted because they're a little unsure. Um, Things are a little ambiguous right now, and there is a lot of uncertainty. And so I'm not going to deny the fact that it's maybe a bigger deal post-pandemic, but I will be honest, and I think all of us can be honest and just say, hey, this has been a deal ongoing. Now, for many people, and and my guess is everybody's listening to this, when you saw the title, that the lack of commitment, if you're going to listen to something like this, the lack of commitment just bothers the crap out of you. And it just frustrates you to no end, especially if you are a leader and you're overseeing people in an official capacity. This whole idea of not being committed or not carrying through with commitments, however you want to term that, um, is is a big, big deal to you. And, and, And as it should be. I'm not saying it shouldn't be. My question for a long time has been, what is the opposite of commitment? What is the opposite of commitment? And and normally when I ask this, uh, you know, to a, a team I'm working with or to an individual I'm talking to, one of the first answers I get is uncommitment, non-commitment. So, okay, that's not fair. So we can't just take commitment. What is the opposite? Uncommitment. That really tells us absolutely nothing whatsoever. What is the opposite of commitment? Now, possibly everybody listening to this could have a different idea of what you believe the opposite of commitment is. But here's what I believe the opposite of commitment is. And and then then I want to follow this thought up for the rest of 
the rest of the episode chatting about what we do as a committed leader to not get caught in this feelings trick. So the opposite of commitment to me is living by feelings. I think when we start paying more attention to our feelings than we do to our commitments, that is when things are going to be uh, are, are going to be tough. And I think that is one of the main reasons of why people break the commitments that they have made is simply because they just do not uh, they just do not feel like it anymore. And there are obviously a number of reasons of why they wouldn't. But to me, that is the opposite of commitment as I have experienced commitment over the years. Now, I also believe that most of us, if not all of us, and I don't know if we've thought about this or not, but I think most of us will equate commitment with character. And so a person who continually, um, a person who continually breaks their commitments, it's possible that we would deem them as someone who has very low or no character at all. So I don't know that to be true, but that's what I have heard and that's what I've gathered over the years as I've talked to people about people they lead or people they work with, uh, people that they've been around, you know, in various contexts, is that when they, when somebody breaks commitments over and over again, we equate that with their lack of character. So Hiram Smith said this. Hiram Smith, I don't know if you know who he is or not, but Hiram Smith is, um, he is the, the, uh, one of the founders of Franklin Covey. If you remember Franklin Covey from years gone by, and I think we've lost Hiram Smith now, but this this guy, I love his stuff, and I love listening to Hiram Smith and reading uh, his books and that kind of thing. But Hiram Smith has defined character as this. Character is the ability to carry out a worthy decision after the emotion of making that decision has passed. How many times have we made commitments because we're all fired up, we're all excited, only for that excitement and that fired up feeling to leave a week or two weeks, a month, two months later, and all of a sudden it is harder to be committed to what we were fired up to be committed to in the first place. Our character is on the line at this point. And as leaders, one of the number one things that will cause people to follow you the most, and one of the number one things that will actually make you what I call a followable leader is your character. When people deem you to have high credibility, they are going to follow you. When people deem you to not have high credibility, they are not going to follow you. And so this character is a big, big deal. Now, how many times have we made decisions or have we made commitments based on what's going on right now and the way we feel right now, only later to find out, I don't feel that way anymore. I'm not as fired up about this anymore. Uh, I'm not as excited about this anymore. And it is harder now to carry out that commitment. This is one of the reasons I believe that the opposite of commitment is living by feelings. Here are some things I've learned about feelings. Right actions bring right feelings, not vice versa. Sometimes we have to act because it is the right thing to do. And when we do, the feelings will follow that. Now, I've experienced that in my life <clears throat> firsthand. I know for a fact that that happens because this is what's happened to me. There, and Without getting into great detail about this, uh, there was a time in my life when I felt absolutely nothing 
but I knew that I needed to commit. I knew that I needed to be what I needed to be. And so I began to act in a way based on what I knew I should do later the feelings then followed. And, and I got to be honest with you, again, without getting into great detail, I am so thrilled, so happy, so proud of myself for acting in a way that was right. Now, I'm not telling you I've done that all the time because I certainly have it. I've probably screwed it up more than I've got it right. But here's what I have learned. Right actions bring right feelings. I've also learned this. Effective people do what it takes regardless of their feelings. Whether they feel like it or not. I've said this before. I said this in an episode of, a few episodes ago. And we're talking about the difference between uh, good and great. The great choose to do what the good choose not to do. The reason is sometimes the good just doesn't feel like it. They don't, they, they, they're not as fired up or they're not as excited about it or they just, it just something gets in the way. Fear gets in the way. Maybe discouragement gets in the way. Something gets in the way. But the great choose to do what the good choose not to do. It's not that the great feel any more better about it. It's just that they are more committed and they put feelings secondary to their commitments or to their, uh, uh, to, their, to their pursuit of what it is that they are pursuing. Here's the next thing I've learned about feelings. Living by feelings is very, very reactive, and it is not typically proactive. That means that when I'm reactive, that situations is what I respond to. So situation is going to determine how I feel. It's going to determine how I respond. And um, we accept that there is nothing we can do about our situation. And so therefore, if we don't feel it, again, if discouragement or fear or anything else gets in the way, then it's over. I react. If the weather's great, I'm in a great mood. If the weather's bad, I'm in a bad mood. Uh, if you treat me right, I treat you right. If you're if you're mean to me, I'm mean to you. You know, that's very reactive. So I'm waiting to see what's going on. People who live proactively, on the other hand, live by value, principle, and purpose. So in a leadership context, a proactive leader knows who they are and knows who they want to be as a leader. This is one of the issues that I've seen in leadership over the years, is sometimes we don't know who we are as a leader and we don't know who we want to be as a leader. And so basically anything goes. It is harder to stay committed when you don't know who you are and who you want to be because you have a tendency then to be a little more reactive. But proactive leadership, proactive living is living by value, principle, and purpose. So it, 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 you, you live independent of the weather. You live independent of, of, of heavy traffic. You live independent of how people are going to treat you or how people are going to respond to you. You live independent of that because you're living by value, principle, and purpose. So living by feelings most of the time is very reactive and it's not proactive living. Now, I have never done this on any other episode, but I, 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 I have some quotes on commitment that I just want to run by you. And, um, and, and, and I've got about 10 of them here. So hang with this. And then we're going to take a turn and start talking about what it looks like to be a committed leader. So here's the first quote. Tony Robbins said this, the only limit to your impact is your imagination and your commitment. Now, Hang with me on all these because all of these kind of trail each other and they all wind up connecting. I'll show you where we're going to go with this. But here's what Tony said. The only limit to your impact is your imagination and your commitment. Now, I talk a lot in leadership about the impact that you have on people. So once you think about this, 
the limit, the only limit to your impact that you will have on people, and I'm adding that in there. Tony didn't say it this way. I'm adding this in there. The only limit you have to your impact on people is your imagination and what else? Your commitment. Your commitment. Now, Howard Schultz, he's the founder and CEO of Starbucks. He says this, when you are surrounded by people who share a passionate commitment around a common purpose, anything is possible. Now, think about who's saying this. The man who sells coffee at $4 a cup. The man who is a billionaire because he found a niche in the coffee industry. Listen, if anybody should know, this man should know. And I'm one of those guys that sometimes, well, oftentimes, okay, all the time, will pay $4 a cup for coffee. Now, I want to... I want to clarify, it's not just black coffee. It's, you know, it's an espresso-based drink with stuff in it. And so I want to make that very clear just in case you're wondering. $4 for coffee, it's not just black coffee. So for you black coffee drinkers, um, shut up. Because it's not just black coffee. It's much, much more than that. But anyway, the point is, the point is I'm paying $4 a cup. He knows this. When you're surrounded by people who share a passionate commitment, around a common purpose, anything is possible. Now, I love that he said around a common purpose. So what are you committed to? So hang on. Again, all of these are going to connect here in a little bit. Now, I don't know who said this, but this is another quote that I love. When confronted with a challenge, the committed heart will look for a solution. The undecided heart will look for an escape. The committed heart, when you're faced with a challenge, when you're faced with adversity, when you're faced with a pandemic, when you're faced with uh, a cranky team member, when you're faced with somebody who's not doing what they're supposed to be doing, you, you pick the challenge. When confronted with a challenge, the committed heart will look for a solution, but the undecided heart will look for an escape. Now, Think about this in your leadership. When you face a challenge or when you face a challenging person, when your team faces a challenge as an organization or as a team, the committed heart is going to find a solution. The undecided heart, in other words, the heart that doesn't understand who they are or who they want to be as a leader. The undecided heart that doesn't understand what value, principle, and purpose we live by. They are going to look for an escape. Why? because of the fear that sets in at that point or the feelings that gets in the way at that point. So to follow this up, Sammy Davis Jr. I did not know Sammy Davis Jr. was a quotable leadership guru, but this is pretty good. Sammy Davis Jr. said, you always have two choices, your commitment versus your fear. Now that's all I know of the quote, but here's what I want to tell you is I believe that Sammy Davis Jr., believed that fear was the opposite of commitment because that's the way I'm reading this. You have a choice, your fear or your commitment. So when you know what you want and you know who you are, when you're committed, regardless of the fear and regardless of the feelings, we're going for it. This is a quote from a guy named Charles Stanley. Charles Stanley is a pastor in Atlanta. 
I follow his son Andy a lot. I listen to a lot of Andy Stanley. Uh, Andy Stanley is one of my favorite people to listen to, and and I I extract a lot from what Andy Stanley says. But this is his dad. His dad says this. Now, I don't know what your world is, so hang on, and don't get judgmental and cynical about this because this is the word he's using, but anyway, just hang on, all right? Too many Christians have a commitment of convenience. So now I'm going to I'm going to amend his statement a little bit. Too many leaders have a commitment of convenience. Now listen close. They'll stay faithful as long as it's safe and doesn't involve risk, rejection or criticism. Instead of standing alone in the face of challenge or temptation, they check to see which way their friends are going. Now, again, you know, Charles said this about Christians. I've I've been a Jesus follower my whole life. Many of you know that. If you don't, there you go. So I get what he's saying. Let me amend this a little bit. Think about this. Too many leaders have a commitment of convenience. What kind of commitment do we have? Sometimes if if it's convenient, I'll commit. In other words, reactive. In other words, feelings. If I'm feeling it, I'm committing it. If I'm not feeling it, then I'm not staying committed. What happens to your character at that point? Mario Andretti, another guy I did not know, was a quotable leadership guru, says this. Desire is the key to motivation, but it's determination and commitment to an unrelenting pursuit of your goal, a commitment to excellence that will enable you to attain the success you seek. Desire is the key to motivation. Do you desire to be a leader? Probably, or you probably wouldn't be a leader. But it's not that desire to be a leader. It's the determination and the commitment to an unrelenting pursuit of your goal. What is unrelenting? That means regardless of feelings, I am staying committed to the pursuit of your goal. A commitment to excellence that will enable you to attain the success you speak. Now, Vince Lombardi, I'm a football guy. So Vince Lombardi talks a lot about commitment. I've got three Vince Lombardi quotes here. And he follows this up from Mario Andretti. They kind of go together here. Vince Lombardi says this. I've used this for years. The quality of a person's life is in direct proportion to their commitment to excellence, regardless of their chosen field of endeavor. Again, let me amend this and put this in a leadership context. The quality of a leader is in direct proportion to their commitment to excellence, regardless, regardless of their chosen field or endeavor. Vince also said this, most people fail not because of a lack of desire, but because of a lack of commitment. We all desire it. It's just we don't stay committed to it. How many gyms have I joined in the last however many years of my life. The desire was there. Trust me, the commitment was not. Vince Lombardi also said this, individual commitment to a group effort. That is what makes a team work. That's what makes a company work, a society and a civilization work. Individual commitment to a group effort. Here's the next one. Ken Blanchard. Ken's in his 80s right now. I, I do not, I talk like I know him. I do not know Ken Blanchard. Would love to sit and have a conversation with Ken Blanchard. I love reading his stuff. I love listening to him talk. 
Here's what he says. There's a difference between interest and commitment. When you are interested in doing something, you only do it when it's convenient. In other words, when I feel like it. But when you're committed to something, you accept no excuses, only results. So I have to ask myself this question. The next time I quote unquote commit to something, am I committing to it? Do I really want to commit to it? Or am I simply interested in it? And man, I'm telling you, I'm an emotional guy. So there have been, there have been too many times that I went, I am interested in that and I have mistaken my interest for my commitment. So I'm interested, I'll commit. I don't know how many of you ever been ziplining. You ever been ziplining? If you ever been ziplining, if you ever been ziplining, so there are certain ziplines that look very, very interesting. But as you begin to climb the tree or the ladder or the stand or wherever you're going to zipline from, there are some of these that we were supposed to go ziplining in Maui one time. We, we, we ended up not going for various reasons. Uh, one of them was probably fear, but that's really another conversation for another time. So you climb this ladder. Listen, it looks interesting from the ground, but when you get up there, you had better be committed to carrying through with this zipline. You see it? It looks great. It looks fun. You hear people screaming. You see them going fast. All the views are amazing. Oh, it's interesting. But committing to it is a whole nother ball game. You see? And this is what Ken Blanchard's saying. There's a difference between interest and commitment. Here's the last one. Commitment means staying loyal to what you said you were going to do long after the mood you set it in has left. Commitment means staying loyal to what you said you were going to do long after the mood you set it in has left. Now, let's take all of this and let's put this together in a leadership context. Some of us <clears throat> think leadership looks interesting. Some of us get excited about the idea of leading people. There have been people that, um, you know, they were in a great mood. And they were thrilled that somebody asked them to be the leader because it meant a bump in pay or it meant, uh, I, you know, I, I get to now be the boss or I get a different title and I'm going to get a plaque and I'm going to get a badge and I'm going to get keys to the special bathroom. And we get excited, you know, about these ideas of leadership. And then you actually start leading people. And you learn quickly, this actually was not a promotion. This very well could have been a demotion. And you now are ready to slap somebody that talked you into being in this situation that you're in. Because leadership can be exhausting. It, 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 it's very time-consuming. Um, man, it can wear you out. And it, it can make you rethink whether you even want to work or not. But it looked interesting, it sounded exciting, but now here we are. So the mood that I was in when I made the commitment to lead is not going to stay the mood that I'm going to be in all the time. So now what do I do? Well, proactive leadership, knowing who I am 
and who I want to be as a leader. So how do you lead in a position of commitment? How do you lead when others are not committed? What does commitment look like as a leader? So we're going to take the rest of the time and I want to chat with you what I believe commitment looks like when you are a committed leader. I got eight things. Here we go. Number one, you are proactive. You are proactive. Now I've already talked about it. Let me tag on it just a little bit more. Why do you choose to lead people? Why have you made the decision to lead people? And this is a question, uh, many of you listen to this, I've asked you this question individually, I've asked you this question with your team, why do you choose to lead people? To me, this is one of the key questions of any question regarding leadership. Why do you choose to lead people? Why do you want to do this? And anybody who comes to me and they go, you know, uh, I know that there's a position open and I know so-and-so's leaving and I would really like to have that position and I know it's a leadership position, but oh, I think I'm ready. My number one question is going to be, why do you want to do that? And if they say to me, well, you know, uh, I just, I want to move up in the company and I feel like that's the next, that's the next step for me. Eh, wrong answer. Well, you know, um, we're getting ready to have our third child. I need a bump in pay, and I know that that pays more, and I'd really like to be there. Eh, wrong answer. Why do you new choose to lead people? Well, you know what? I really feel like I want to help people be better people. I really feel like I've come across some things, and it's in my heart. It's a passion of mine to help people be better people. I want to lead people because I want to make a difference in people's life. We are on our way now to the right answer. Why do you choose to lead people? You are proactive when you are a committed leader. It's not about what they do or don't do. It's about your intention as a leader. I'm asked this question all the time. What do you do if... And then it usually follows something that somebody else is not doing. What do you do if they don't? You still do it. What do you do if they blank, blank, blank? You still do what you know to do. It's not about what they do or don't do. It's about you understanding who you are and who you want to be as a leader. Staying proactive in your approach. Staying committed to who you are and who you want to be regardless of how they respond, regardless of the mood you're in, regardless of the feelings you have or don't have in this particular moment, you are proactive. Number two, when you are a committed leader, you find a solution and a way. You find a solution and a way. This is what I believe is going on post-pandemic. I think this is one of the things that people are going this isn't working post-pandemic at all. People seem to be uncommitted. I think post-pandemic, there is a new way and it's wearing us out. I think we've been faced with the challenge of creating a new way or new ways and we don't know what to do. 
And so therefore, it's easier just to quit, not quit and leave, perhaps, maybe quit and stay, or it's easier to quit on people because we just don't know what that new way is going to look like, you see? People have issues now they didn't have before. We don't know how to respond to that. So therefore, we're not finding a way and we're not finding a solution or sometimes in our context of a leader, they are not finding a way and they are not finding a solution. So therefore, they just quit. I think this is one of the things that we're looking at and this is one of the things I think that we're seeing again in this post-pandemic situation that we're living in right now. When you're a committed leader, you find a solution and you find a way. You do not let discouragement rule you and you don't take discouragement seriously. How do you do that? You control it. You do not let it control you. So are there times we're going to be discouraged? Absolutely. Should we deny that? No, you do not deny that. You lean into that discouragement, but then you control it. You do not let it control you. Discouragement is not going to dictate what I do or don't do. My proactivity, the fact that I'm committed to finding a solution and finding a way is what is going to drive me. Not the discouragement or not the fear or not any other feeling that may come along with it. Now, is this easy? Absolutely not. Because a lot of us, if not all of us, are pretty addicted to feelings. But it's necessary in order to stay committed. Number three, when you're a committed leader, you make people feel believed in. You make people feel believed in. Now, it's easy to make somebody feel believed in when they already believe in themselves. It's easy to make somebody feel believed in when they are like one of our stars. You know, that's easy. But what about the person who doesn't believe in themselves? What about the person who's not one of the stars? What about the person who's struggling? Here's the deal. When you're a committed leader, you are making people feel believed in. You look for and you expect the best. That's exactly what somebody has done for you. In fact, if we could go around the circle and we ask people, okay, what is it? What is it that this person who you said was your favorite, this, that, and the other, what did they do to make them your favorite? I'm telling you, I hear this often, a lot. They, they believed in me. How do you know they believed in you? They trusted me. They included me. They, 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 they put me in positions and, and, and then let me, they didn't hover, you know, and micromanage. They allowed me the freedom. There's all kinds of ways that would make somebody feel believed in. Listen, when you're committed as a leader, you are making people feel believed in. You look for and expect the best. This person you said was your favorite. Did they look for the best in you? Of course they did. And what'd you give them? Your best. That's what they found. That's what you gave them because they looked for and expected the best. Now, trust them, you include them, but something else you do is you encourage them. And encouragement is not simply appreciation or recognition or compliments or rewards. All of those things are important. Encouragement is literally putting courage in people. That's when they know that as a leader, you believe in them. When you are helping them feel courageous and putting courage in this person. It's about trust, it's about inclusion. It's about making them feel courageous. Number four, you solve issues for and with people. You solve issues for and with people. In other words, when you are a committed leader, you're not taking on the attitude, hey man, 
That's their deal. That's not my deal. That's their deal. So <laughs> you're not taking on the attitude of, yeah, I don't know what to do about them. So I'm just going to let that go and just see how it rides out. No, when you're a committed leader, you are solving issues for and with people. When we have an issue in our on our team, I include people in the solve process. I get their ideas. I get their input. I want their creativity. I include them, making them feel believed in, but also we are going to solve this together. We are going to somehow come to a solve. Also, their personal issues. Now, this is where it's going to get tough for some of you. Issues that people have are big issues to them. It may not be a big issue to you. But to them, this is a big issue. To them, this issue could be, you know, is one of the issues that could be keeping them stuck. To you, it may seem very simple. To you, it may seem very trite. To them, it's not. To them, this is a big deal. So any issue that they have becomes, as a leader, a big issue to me. I want to help them find a solve to that issue. Now, here again, this is where it's going to get tricky for some of you. I'm not telling you you need to know all the dark, hairy details. I don't think you do. But when there's an issue that they're dealing with, when there's an issue that's holding them back from being the best version of themselves, whether it's personal or professional, doesn't matter to me. I want to be involved, committed. I want to be involved in helping them solve that issue. So again, whether it's personal or professional, it makes no difference to me. If it's a big deal to them, it's a big deal to me because it's holding them back from being the best version of themselves. So you solve issues for and you solve issues with people. Number five, you put your people first. When you're a committed leader, you're putting your people first. Now notice I didn't say put people first because most leaders are very good at putting people first. Most, not all, most but it's not just people in general. I'm putting my people first. Let me tell you what's starting to wear me out is when I constantly am reading um, employee handbooks. I'm reading company core values. I'm reading company goals that center around the customer and do not mention the team. That's starting to wear me out. Listen, if we don't have a team, eventually you will not have customers. If we don't have a fully functioning, effective team, eventually no one's going to want to deal with our organization. I want to make this clear. I personally believe that the team comes before the customer. Now, I don't know that I've ever said it that clear or that emphatic before, but trust me, I think I'm there. So, those you work with and those you lead, the team, the team, that's what's going to help people feel believed in. That is when they know this is a committed leader. There's a guy named Danny Meyer. I love Danny Meyer. Again, I do not know Danny Meyer, uh, but uh, again, a guy I would love to sit down and have a conversation with. Danny Meyer owns a lot of restaurants in New York City. Now, if you don't know much about New York City, you're gonna know that this is a very, very difficult place to own a restaurant because they come and go quick. Danny Meyer has had some incredible success with his restaurants in New York City. He owns 
uh, Union Square Cafe. He owns Gramercy Tavern. Uh, he owns Shake Shack. Some of you, Shake Shack is now expanded. They're in other parts of the country. Some of you have probably been to a Shake Shack. That's a Danny Meyer-inspired uh, restaurant. He owns those. He owns Blue Smoke in New York City <clears throat> and several more. This guy has found the secret of making a restaurant work. I'm pretty certain if he can make one work in New York City, he can make one work just about anywhere. But one of his secrets to his quote-unquote success, and however you determine success, one of the secrets to his effectiveness is the order in which he puts the importance of people. Now, you can read his book called Setting the Table. It's a very, very good book. And even if you're not a restauranteur, it doesn't matter. This guy has a lot of cool stuff to say about leadership and about people and about hospitality and customer service and all this kind of stuff. But they're at a retreat one time and he drew. He, he, he went to the board and he put five groups of people on the board. The team, the guests, in some of your cases, that's the customer or the client. The community, the community in which he lives in. The suppliers, the vendors that give him what he needs to make things work, and the investors, the people who are feeding the money in to make this thing really happen. So those those five those five people. I, I don't know if everybody listening to this or not. Like if if that's your context or if you you deal with all five of those groups of people, but some of you do maybe in some shape, form, or fashion. But he put those five groups of people, and he said, let's number these in order of importance. Now, what do you think? came from that conversation. And I will tell you that the rank order of importance in his business, in his organization, is just the exact order that I gave them to you in. The team or the employees comes first. The guests come second. The community comes third. The suppliers fourth. And the investors fifth. Let me tell you what. That is a committed leader. That is when you know. That is when your people are going to know you are a committed leader. Now, again, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that the customers and the community and the suppliers and the investors aren't important. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying when I have to make a decision, my actions as a leader, I'm going to my team's going to know they are what's important to me above and beyond. Your people come first when you're a committed leader. Now, I know if we open this up for discussion, there could be a lot of questions. I would love your emails. I would love your phone calls. I would love to have your pushback to that. If, in fact, you don't agree with that, I want to know why and what that looks like to you. But I'm just telling you from my standpoint, and I've dealt with people for a long, long time in a lot of different industries, that to me, that's the order of quote-unquote importance as it relates to people. To me, that is what a committed leader is, is when your team knows they're that important to you. Number six, committed leaders look at the what if and not the what is. Committed leaders look at the what if and not the what is. See, here's the deal. I think sometimes we get too caught up in the here and now. And sometimes when we're caught up in the here and now, it is sending the message that right now matters than what's going to happen later. And we get so caught up in the now that our commitment appears as if it's not long term. 
when we're able to look at the what if, what can be, instead of what is right now, I think that is when we send a clear message that I'm committed to you as a leader. So you see what can be and you lead to that. In other words, with that becomes an inspiring hope in that person. You show them what can be. It's easy to get caught up in what is right now. It's easy to get caught up in the mistakes and it's easy to get caught up in the failures. It's easy to get caught up in the discouragement. All of that. It's easy to get caught up in, you know, pandemic issues. We know, we knew from the very beginning, this pandemic is not going to last forever. We don't know how long it's going to last, but it's not going to last forever. We can't get caught up in the right now. We got to look at what can be because that's what inspires hope. And when we're committed, we're committed long-term. Now we're inspiring hope and we're showing people what can be. We're showing them what they can be with a little this or a little that. And we're staying committed to the process no matter how long that process is going to take. So committed leaders look at the what if and not the what is. Number seven, committed leaders, when you're committed, you grow and you help others grow. You grow and you help others grow. Here's why. Because you know you cannot lead the same way and be the same person forever. It, is, it just simply cannot happen. You're going to learn and you're going to grow and you're going to build capacity and you're going to emerge and you're going to develop and you're going to add new practices and you're going to add new philosophies and you're going to add new beliefs to your leadership. And it's going to grow as you grow. You see, and some of you uh, have heard me talk about creating a leadership statement. Ken Blanchard calls this a leadership point of view. You create this leadership statement. And as a, a very good friend of mine once said, as he was creating his leadership statement, this is a living document. And I said, it absolutely is. I've never heard that term before, but it absolutely is a living document because it is going to grow as you grow. Your leadership beliefs and philosophies and practices are going to grow as you grow as an individual. So now, that's you growing, but you help other people grow again. Why? Because you're inspiring hope and you're seeing what can be, not just what is right now. Sheila Murray Bethel wrote a book called New Breed of a Leader. Love this book. And she says in this book, and I love this quote, uh, it's on almost all the notes that I, ever, that I ever print. She says this, leadership is not something you learn once and for all. It is an ever-evolving pattern of skills, talents, and ideas that grow and change as you do. That's what leadership is. Committed leadership is growing leadership. You grow and you help other people grow. I've said this for a long time. If you don't want to help people be better people, then don't whine and complain when they're not better people. Because to me as a leader, this is your role. Help People be better people. So if you don't want to do that, that's fine. But then don't complain when they're not better people. Number eight, as a committed leader, you create safety and you make safety a value. You create safety and you make safety a value. You are a safe leader. When you're a committed leader, you're a safe leader. People can approach you. People can talk to you. 
People can, uh, they're not afraid to give ideas. Uh, they can, they can use their creativity. They can give you dumb ideas. They can make mistakes. They can be themselves. It's okay because you are a safe leader. Amy Edmondson, who kind of helped coin the phrase psychological and emotional safety. She defines psychological and emotional safety as this. One will not be punished or humiliated for speaking up with ideas, questions, concerns, or mistakes. That is when you know that you're safe. Now, are you that safe leader? And I've been doing a lot of studying, a lot of writing, and a lot of talking recently about psychological and emotional safety, but more specifically, you becoming that safe leader or that safe person that people can be around. So this to me is what committed leadership looks like. You are proactive. You find a solution and a way. You make people feel believed in. You solve issues for and with people. You put your people first. You look at the what if and not the what is. You grow and help others grow. And you create safety and you make it a value. This leads me back to this favorite quote that I have about commitment. Take all of that into this context. Commitment means staying loyal to what you said you were going to do long after the mood you set it in has left you. As a leader, you're going to get tired. As a leader, there are times you're going to be exhausted. As a leader, there are times that people are going to drive you insane for various reasons. There's going to be times that you're not going to feel like leading anymore. But when you are committed to leading, when you are a committed leader, you are putting feelings aside and you are now leading because you know who you are and who you want to be as a leader. That to me is commitment. Don't get caught up in the feelings trick, but stay committed as a leader. 